0: (laughs) All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 32 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for February 2nd, which is a Thursday, actually. Um, It's partly due to my fault. Uh, I've been very, very, very fucking busy lately. He's been
1: a busy bee.
0: Yes, to say the least. I tried to put out the Canadian... food taste testing video but that has been delayed because yesterday um wednesday i and the reason why the podcast isn't out early for the patreons and all the other kind of stuff is because i was in a tattoo shop for seven hours getting a robert stack tattoo on my arm awesome Yes, now, you might think, like, well, why haven't you posted that yet? Well, it's not complete (laughs) after after seven hours. It's not complete. Anybody who's ever gotten any portrait work done uh, tattoo-wise knows that, especially if you get an elderly person um, wearing a trench coat, I mean, you can just imagine all the details that you have to draw up on something like that. So... Yeah, man, I'm looking at it right now, and it's fucking, His face is done, and his trench coat's pretty much done. He doesn't have any hair right now though, so it looks looks like he's wearing a hairnet. Um, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna post it until it's done. I'm just not because like it's just not complete right now. But man, it is just the it's incredible. Every time I look at my arm, Robert stacks on my arm doing that that cheeky grin that he does, and oh, man, that's really cool. It's incredible. Um, there's also the planet of uh, Saturn right below Stack that got done because this is gonna be a sleeve of um, it's gonna be space and then at the very top of my arm is gonna be Robert Stack with like you know space shit surrounding him and stuff, dude. It's it's <laughs> gonna be pretty badass when it's done and it sucks because I gotta wait until March 12th for my next session. So well, wow, that's can, that's a
1: that's a ways away. So
0: yeah, I gotta wait over a month to get this thing finished which is really frustrating but again anyone who's gotten tattoos who gets large pieces knows that uh, you, you really do have to you need your body needs time to heal it needs time yeah. to, to you know rest and recover and uh you know and you my- want
1: to make sure you pick the right tattoo artist because you don't want to have something that's really bad that you carry around with you that you have to go on that show tattoo
0: nightmares <laughs> oh i knew to, i knew this know, guy cover I, was, I knew this guy was going to be the right guy because he did the piece on my wrist of the ufo and the forest and stuff and just the detail that he put into the forest and all i knew cool i knew he was going to be able to handle this and it it looks spectacular uh i can't believe it's on my arm like i never thought i'd have such a nice like piece of art on my body like this so that's what i was doing yesterday um that
1: that just proves to anyone out there who thinks that josh might be Not be an Unsolved Mysteries super fan.
0: Yeah, if anyone thinks thinks I'm fucking around with (laughs) Unsolved Mysteries, this tattoo proves I am, in fact, not fucking around. I am not a charlatan. And then today, my brother's wife is going into labor at the hospital, and um, I'm going to have a niece probably today. So, literally, right after this podcast... Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Literally, right after this podcast, I'm going up to the hospital to lend my support for like maybe 30 minutes and I gotta run from the hospital to my fucking karaoke gig at Applebee's, (laughs) uh, which is another thing. I have five gigs a week now, uh, five karaoke gigs a week, in addition to the occasional weddings I have. So yeah, my... My life has gotten really, really fucking busy. And then it seems like on my days off, I have shit I got to do then as well yeah. that I wasn't able to do during the week. So I. But guess, now
1: you got more money rolling in. Yeah, money's so, rolling I mean, in
0: and all that. But I've always been a proponent of having more time over more money. If I had a yeah. choice, I'd rather have more time. More well, modern. I agree.
1: If I, if I had a choice, you know, I, I want to get a job. I've been trying to fill out applications. I just nobody's been calling back. I guess it's just been rough to find employment here in Vancouver. So and, and a lot of the jobs that, you know, I, I'm capable of doing are ones that are already filled or ones that they're you know looking for particular people in and or jobs that people just don't give up. I mean, th- nowadays we have a lot of older people keeping the retail jobs that they would have quit by now. It, you know they're they're talking about, oh, well, I paid for college, when I was in school when I was a kid, when I was a teenager it's like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. (laughs) It's A, I can't get a job because people, you know, after, you know, in the, the, what are the baby boomers, they won't give up their jobs (laughs) at like McDonald's or Walmart or Fred Meyer or Goodwill. And, And so I'm left with like, what can I do right now? What jobs are there? My And I'm, like, in the weird place where I'm almost 30, I'm 27, and going on 28, and I, ju- I just don't even, like, I'm not in the place where I'm young enough to go work at those jobs where they want young people, but then I'm getting, I'm kind of too old, you know, for other. St- <laughs> I'm not old enough for other stuff, it's just, ugh.
0: My, my best piece of advice for anybody looking for a job is this right here, because this is how it's worked for me my whole life. I have never applied for a job, filled out a resume, or, or turned in a resume, or filled out an application and turned it in, and then got called back for an interview and got the job. That's never happened. Every single job, and I've worked about like six or seven jobs in my life, every single job I've ever gotten is I knew somebody who worked there.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, see, that's or, the problem. Yeah, it, or this is this is one little trick I did one time. I was working at CVS, uh, which one of the cases that we'll be talking about today takes place in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, which is the corporate headquarters of CVS, which I thought was funny. I was working at CVS behind the counter one day, and this lady came in, and she had a Pizza Hut tag on her shirt, and she was wearing the uniform, And uh, I was like, hey, you know, uh, are you guys hiring by chance? And she's like, yeah, we need drivers, which was perfect because I wanted to be a delivery driver because that seemed like a cool job, you know, Uh driving around, delivering pizzas, listening to your own music and all that. You can kind of be your own boss. So I got her name and I said, "Okay, cool, I'll uh, I'll apply. So I went up to the store and I said, "Uh, yeah, I want to apply to be a driver, blah, blah, blah. So so far, pretty typical, you know, what sets me apart from anybody else. So then I, I name-dropped the girl who... I said, oh, yeah, I know such-and-such. Such. I forget what her name was. I just said, I know Kim. Let's call her Kim. Oh, yeah, I know uh-huh. Kim. And, uh, yeah, she said that you guys needed a driver. And by me saying I knew Kim, her eyes, like, lit up. And she's like, oh, you know Kim? Okay. Well, uh, you know, come in, blah, 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 for an interview. And... <laughs> And just so you didn't even really technically know. No, I didn't know her. her. I just, I Uh. just finagled my way in there, and that's, (laughs) and that's the kind of, those are the kind of tricks that you got to do because I'm telling you, people, uh, business owners are much more likely to hire people that that are recommended to them. That's a
1: problem. That's a problem because there's a very small percentage of people who actually do know those people. I mean, it's it's like you're just hiring inside of a very shallow pool. It's not really fair to everyone else. It is.
0: It's it's not fair and it's fucked up. But hey, that that's the
1: last job I did have. I did not know anybody. I I just they actually called me back. So, um, but that's been a long time.
0: Yeah, I've never gotten. And I I I think it's
1: I think it's almost in my work history. And I'm gonna try to go in to uh, you know to job. You know, job places like there's this place of goodwill, you can talk to a counselor or something over there, job counselor, and see what I can do there. Maybe there's some tweaking to do with my resume or something. It's just, it's frustrating. It's extremely frustrating for me, um, especially when I, I truly do believe I got let go from my previous job for bullshit reasons. And it, it's just, it just makes me feel like. I, I just, what is wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Like, I can't keep a job. It's, it's extremely frustrating.
0: Well, I can tell you in short, it's probably your work experience. You probably don't have the experience that they're looking for. for whatever well, exactly.
1: I know. But some of it's like people are just lazy nowadays. They don't want to train people.
0: Yeah, I mean that's. I've worked my ass off. If somebody true. gave me a
1: chance, it's just nobody really seems to be willing to give me a chance. So what am I going to do? I, I guess I'm going to have to not have a job for for a couple months. Fingers crossed. Hope I get accepted by WC Vancouver because I actually did uh, pay the fifty dollars for an uh, application fee. Uh, not really application. It's uh, well, actually, yeah. You technically are applying for the college, so I mean, <laughs> that alone is is insane to me that you have to play an app, pay an application fee just f- to apply for the college. Um, That's ridiculous. So we'll see what happens from there. And I can't really do anything with PSU because I haven't gotten my diploma. Ba- you know, technically, haven't got my a AA- a transfer degree because I technically have it but I haven't got the physical thing yet from Clark. I won't get that until the end of March somewhere. So I, I, I'm just I'm just kinda of stuck in purgatory and my parents are like trying to push me to get a job and I'm trying and I just I can't I, I just It's not not happening. Not having
0: a a reliable form of transportation is something that's hurting you as well. Because a lot of people will ask you that in the interview: Do you have a reliable form of transportation? I
1: I do. I mean, to be honest, if I work closer, if I if there's a job that's around
0: where I am at, yeah, but see that that within walking distance that limits you right there. Well,
1: I understand that, but I wouldn't be planning on working two hours away to
0: begin with. Well, no, not two hours away, but, like, 30 minutes away, you know, something like that. Yeah,
1: I mean, there are other places I can work. I mean, anywhere in the mall I can technically work because the buses go there and, honestly, by the time whatever store closes, I can still take the bus home. So there's a lot of places, actually, that I can work by bus. Um, It's just, for some reason, uh, I'm just not getting a chance.
0: Who knows? I, I, you know, I'm not a hiring manager. Thank God, I never will be. Um, I would, not I mean, shit. I, I've. Spent I think my- it's
1: my work history. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I'm just gonna take it day by day, I guess, and hopefully my volunteer guy gets back to me and gives me some work because uh, I, I, I volunteered with him before at a, a nonprofit. Uh, uh, it, it's a public access show. Which is like a nonprofit sort of political kind of advocate show. It's called Flying Focus. And uh, I already produce like six shows. And um, my stepdad is willing to pay me uh, each hour I, I work for them. So hmm. we'll see what happens there. I mean, $20 an hour is not bad. So no, no, if, really I, if, I, if, if I can work a decent amount of hours at the volunteer thing, then that could be, you know, my job until I get back to school. Um, but anyway, uh, so that that's our drama there.
0: <laughs> yeah, chat.
1: dramatic chit chat. That's
0: our chit chat that people either love or hate. But actually, the more I the reviews, I, the more reviews I see, the more people actually like it. Which, as
1: long as it's not politics. And trust me, we're not going there. No, anytime, so.
0: I'm, yeah, I'm not going to talk about politics anymore because <laughs> I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind. You know, it, it's literally like trying to shoot fish in a barrel. There's no point in even talking about exactly. it. Exactly.
1: So, but the next, uh, there is definitely something worth talking about with our first case. Our first case is one from the first season of Unsolved Mysteries, which is available on Amazon Prime. Yep. Uh, I would really like them to get on it with the second season already. Chop, chop. <laughs> you were pretty come quick on, with, the Dennis, with the Dennis Farina shit, if I remember correctly. They had like the first two seasons already up, like immediately of the Dennis Farina thing. I'm like, come on now, season two. I, I always look on Amazon. The reviews for this uh, this uh, new uh, version of the show are five stars all across the board. As so they I think fucking this, should be. I mean, this uh, is a pretty big hit for Amazon Prime right now. So I wonder if
0: the like the executive producers. I wonder if they go through and see that, and maybe it's finally clicking in their head that oh, maybe people don't want some revamped, rehashed pile of shit no maybe they actually genuinely enjoy the eight the the show we did in the 80s and 90s warts and all and maybe they have a special fondness for these cases and how the show was written and the music and maybe they just liked the show how it is and that's all they want Hmm, I don't know, the thing we've been saying for the past, I, or I've been saying for the past fucking ten years, maybe, <laughs> just maybe, that's starting to click in their heads that that's what the case is. I mean, Jesus, Lord in heaven, yeah. I, I don't understand. So, <laughs> I don't get it either. Um, but I'm glad they
1: finally realized that, because they were sitting on a gold mine for decades. Uh, so anyway... The first uh, case is from season one. I believe it's from episode three. It and it's one that always stood out to me because I thought this was just a really creepy episode. Um, I think the music was uh, on, was in top form here uh, that really added to the eerie mood and atmosphere. And uh, this isn't as creepy as th- the last segment we're going to be talking about but it's still pretty creepy and honestly I was shocked by how bloody this segment was. Oh
0: yeah, I know. That was uh when I first saw it cuz like I hadn't seen that segment until I watched the uh the Amazon Prime reissues and uh yeah, when I saw that scene I was like good god, like this is this was on like primetime television and this was yeah. this in the, in the 90s. What, you know, which is 80s actually. 80s. Oh, 80s. Oh shit. This, this was 80 89 or 88 I think. Because you know, now after especially after when I did that episode on my YouTube channel reviewing those ghost shows, you know, now you can watch a show like ghost adventures and stuff like that and they'll show these like brutal reenactments of like people getting stabbed in the neck and shit and now violence in america is just like old hat you know like now nowadays yeah but
1: for some reason like because i i I grew up and i learned about how they did the effects and i'm a huge fan of practical makeup effects and i love reading about it i love seeing documentaries about it and i kind of i can tell okay that's an effect but when I watch actual videos of people like bleeding or accident videos or, or surgery videos, I, I can, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to watch. But I can watch like all the gore in movies in the world, and it, it doesn't affect me. So that means I'm not really desensitized did you by know, actual
0: violence. Did you know that there's a subset of people out in the world who literally go to YouTube and all they watch oh, is yeah. videos of people getting yeah. their pimples popped and their cysts yeah, yeah. popped.
1: I know, I know, I know. Oh, Mike, what is I can't going watch on. that either. I, I don't know. The I've heard people say that it gives them a sense of relief or something. Oh my god, what? The, like No! That's, old, that's if the show went on <laughs> way too long and they ran out of mysteries. <laughs> that's the kind of thing...
0: They just start popping sis and zits and stuff on, on the
1: show. No, I mean, they, they talk about why people like this.
0: Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh. It's a solved mystery why people, you know, like this. God, that's just making me squeamish just thinking about that right it's
0: disgusting. now.
1: Disgusting. Uh, but anyway, and, and uh, what happened to uh, Doreen Picard is pretty disgusting here as well. So, Doreen Picard, uh, 22 years old, and Susan LaFerte, uh, 27, who Josh uh endearingly likes to call susan lafart
0: <laughs> uh so she was li- no french so
1: she lived in an apartment complex in Woonsocket, rhode island doreen was study studying for a career in childhood development and she lived alone upstairs in the apartment susan was a housewife and an active member of the neighborhood watch she lived with her husband ernie and her two children this is just random, but I remember when I was a kid, whenever I'd see the neighborhood watch sign with like the guy in the shadows or the hat, it, it would like scare me. Like that wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was protected or safe with the neighborhood watch signs.
0: Damn, what kind of neighborhood these, like, watch signs do you guys have in Vancouver? <laughs> Ours don't look like that.
1: It was in Tigard. It was in a Tigard, Oregon. Uh, but yeah, I totally remember this. It was like this shadowy guy with like a hat on and then there's like a no sign but, like, I guess that's what they're supposed to say. Oh, no strangers, no shadowy people. But I'm as a kid, I'm still looking at this sign, and I'm like, is a shadowy man.
0: So you had, <laughs> you had Michael Jackson circa Smooth Criminal Era on the uh, neighborhood watch sign, basically.
1: Yeah, basically. Or some gangster from, like, the 30s or something.
0: Um, anyway...
1: So she lived with her husband, Ernie, and, and their two children. On February 19th, 1982, Doreen began packing to move out of the apartment. That afternoon, Susan had some grub with her sister, Carol, in Susan's apartment. At one thirty p.m., two of her friends arrived there. Carol recognized one of them, but not the other. Susan told her that they were planning to look at puppies that Susan was selling. She asked them for a few minutes until she talked to them for a few minutes until they got out of there. Carol left around 1.45 p.m. about 10 minutes later. And sometime after that, Susan went downstairs to the basement to do the laundry. And Doreen was also doing, there doing laundry at the time. And at some point, an unidentified man came into there and brutally beat both of them with a lead pipe. Ugh. At 3.20 p.m., Doug Heath, who also lived in the apartment complex, discovered Susan's three-year-old daughter, Nicole, unattended in the hallway, locked out of her apartment. When he asked where her mother was, she told him that she was in the basement. He then discovered Susan and Doreen's bodies and called the police. Doreen died from the attack, and Susan suffered serious head injuries that left her in a coma for 30 days. When she awoke, she had absolutely no memories of the attack on her, and Doreen, in fact, she could not remember anything after December 31st, 1981. But Nicole was the only witness that could describe the assailant. Can you imagine that? There's a few things here that, like uh, daughter, who saw somebody get murdered.
0: Yeah, like that. That that is just that. I can't. That's just unimaginably awful. Like the kid. You know, okay, it's like what we were talking about, I think, on another podcast, where it's like, as a kid, you don't really understand what's going on, but then when you get older, the memories make a lot more sense. I mean, shit, man, when that kid gets older, or, well, she is older now, now she's probably a woman, probably married with kids, but, I mean, that, dude, that's some PTSD, like, just awful, horrendous thing that she had to witness as a kid like, like
1: anytime you'd go down to if there's like a basement that had a, a laundry you know set up in there like a washer and dryer it just bring back like horrific memories
0: my heart goes out to to that girl I yeah mean, that's 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 awful i mean and, and then like the whole like selling puppies you know is there is there is could there have been a more innocuous like way yeah. for these people to like infiltrate yeah. you know like selling puppies. If anyone wants some free puppies Um You know, it's just like The payment is a lead pipe over the head <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, I don't know, you you hear about this shit in movies, you know, you don't think this is yeah. real, but no, this was a real case, it's crazy, like...
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the whole thing where you, you don't think about, you just think it's a movie's thing with the van and the stranger, and then, hey kid, here's some candy, but... Yeah,
0: exactly, but no, I mean, where do you think yeah. the movies get those tropes from, you know, they get it from these real-life exactly. horrific cases...
1: So, Nicole was the only witness that could describe the assailant. She told her grandmother, Florence, that she had led him into the building, believing that he was her mother's friend. She then said she he uh, went downstairs, and then returned several minutes later, locking her out. And before he left, she saw the man with a lead pipe and a white rag, white rag with bloodstains in his back pocket. Now, the reenactment did a great job reenacting all of this. This is where the bloodiness comes from which looks like it's something out of a, a slasher film from this from the same era i was just like that's a lot of blood for a, a show that i think aired on primetime uh, on regular cable on network television
0: yeah it's <laughs> a it, lot of blood it was it was uh notably brutal compared to uh most unsolved mystery segments and you can actually go and watch it that's the beauty of I, that. I think
1: the censors might have gotten on them after that <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, hey, guys, uh, let's watch it there on the uh, brutal death scenes. Um, and, and then not only that, it was how the body was positioned. Yeah. Like she just laying lifeless between the washer and dryer, the woman, and there's just blood all over the washer and dryer, yeah. and her body's just, like, it was just tossed there, like such an yeah. unnatural position. Like it's
1: just another piece of laundry.
0: Yeah, like, it was just, God, it was... it was uh. I mean, it was well done how they how they set it up to convey the horrificness of it. But at the same time, it was uh, sobering to think that, like, that's how it actually happened.
1: Yeah. And then the shot of just from the, the killer, from his leg, the legs uh, down, you know, just from his legs, because you just saw his legs. He's wearing the, these jeans and then he has the the towel or whatever, the the rag with the blood stains on it. And he also was wearing like plaid or something and uh he has the pipe in one hand like that 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 image just gives me chills because it's just like pipe in one hand it it did a great job reenacting what the girl probably saw
0: yeah um
1: but the authorities the authorities were unable to use her testimony as evidence because of her young age the killer left the murder weapon the lead pipe hidden in the house Uh, I guess he's a fan of Clue. It was found four days later. (laughs) Colonel
0: Mustard thrown the lead pipe.
1: Authorities believe that the killer may have chosen the victims after reading one of their advertisements from the paper. Either puppies for sale by Susan or an apartment for rent by Doreen. Authorities do not know if the killer was a close friend of the victim, an acquaintance, or a complete stranger. Uh, And... Just to correct people, I, I did not know what Josh was talking about with the puppies thing. Like I, I thought it meant, oh, the killer was advertising puppies. So that's why I made that gag I made earlier. Now that I know that's not the case, then uh, disregard that because that's pretty fucked up on my part. Yeah, I was like, man,
0: Mike's really going for it this week. And then, then I, I just let you go, man. I just let you go on your... Uh. So, uh,
1: really, the payment should have been money, not a pipe to the head. That's not... What should have happened, or just take the puppy? I I, I wonder it, what happened to the puppies then. Uh, did they keep them? Did, did they sell them? What, what did the puppies see? What happened?
0: Now, see, now you're uh, starting to sound like you work for PETA because like they actually care more about uh, animals and human life. So they'd be like, "Well, what happened to the puppies? Disregard the humans who died."
1: No, oh, I definitely do care about the humans. I I just I'm just wondering.
0: Um, I'm now, not like now. PETA's gonna like throw fucking animal carcasses on us if we're walking down the street (laughs) and they're gonna scream killers at us
1: you killer Uh, uh so um following the murder uh Doreen's parents have conducted their own informal investigation into their daughter's murder in the months following the murder they received several anonymous phone calls telling them to stop investigating their daughter's case uh, the colors have threatened to hurt family members and burned down Doreen's father's repair God, shop. Damn, what
0: the fuck is wrong with people in
1: this world? I know. Like, that stood out to me, too. Because I was like, holy shit, like, you think it's over. But no, it's not. You know, there's some... It might be the killer, like, saying, you know, stop investigating this. Or I'll keep making your life miserable. Because I'm an asshole.
0: Or, However, he's, or he's just family, bluffing, you know. He's just bluffing oh, yeah. and he's scared. Or it's just,
1: or just somebody fucking with them. That's happened too. It's like this special bulletin uh, segment I saw on episode, on season eight. Some of the segments from season eight, and one of them was like this guy who like, murdered someone. This was this woman, and then he went in and like dig, dug up her headstone and like left it on a car, or a, a hood somewhere, yeah, I and remember that the one. headstone and all of that. And he was calling the parents and calling the cops and. And basically saying, you know, I'll do it again, and blah, 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 and I killed her, and all this shit. And it was just like, God, why wasn't this an actual segment? Why was that just a special bulletin segment? Psychopaths,
0: <laughs> with, man. With
1: Keely Shay Smith. I think that's who it is?
0: Yeah, Keely Shay Smith, yeah.
1: She's nice to look at, I'll admit it, I'll oh, admit yeah, it. She
0: was hot as hell back in the day. She's married it's to hot. Pierce Brosnan, I think.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. 007. Uh, so anyway... The, uh, her, her family, uh, Doreen's family, and the police refuse to give up on the case and will not stop until it's solved. Meanwhile, Susan, who was attacked and survived, is, is fearful incredible. that the killer will return to hurt her. She also hopes to one day one day remember him so that she can put him behind bars. Nicole said the killer had a mustache. He wore a hat with a visor, jeans, and sneakers. Uh, what is the visor? Or what oh, he wore a hat because hats have what (laughs) i mean what kind of what other kind of hat i guess maybe one of those like old school uh fedoras or something or trilbies but you know most of the time a hat it has a visor i just thought it was kind of funny to be that specific it was a hat with a visor
0: he was wearing a shirt with sleeves
1: (laughs) (laughs) jeans and sneakers and was somewhat taller than her father However, the description may not be accurate due to Nicole's age at the time of the attack. Yeah, the the case uh, aired on the May 18th, 1988 episode. And Susan asked for her identity to be concealed during her interview. Well, there was an update, I believe, that said that somebody was caught. But then we have an update that's honestly not... uh, It's pretty distressing and pretty disappointing. So this case is unresolved because in 1992, Raymond Beaver Tempest, what a name. Oh, my God.
0: That's amazing. That's an amazing name.
1: Was arrested and charged with Doreen's murder and Susan's attack after it was discovered that he and Susan were allegedly having an affair. He had actually been a possible suspect from the beginning, but the authorities did not have any evidence to substantiate the rumors at the time. After the Unsolved Mysteries episode aired, authorities received tips that led to several key witnesses. Some of the witnesses came forward, saying that Tempest had bragged about the murder and that he would be able to cover it up. As a result of these witnesses coming forward, Tempest was reinvestigated and later arrested. A witness placed a marine sud- sedan, a maroon, a Marine. I don't know what a Marine is. Oh, I, I know what a Marine is, but it's not a color. <laughs> it's not a color for a car. At least I don't think so. Oh, Maybe blue Marine or something. Aquamarine. Aquamarine.
0: That's definitely a color.
1: It's an underwater Marine. It's a special version uh, of a uh, Marine. Uh, A witness placed a maroon sedan at at the scene, which Tempest was allegedly driving around the time of the murder. He also could not come up with a solid alibi for the time of the attack. Authorities believe that he and Susan got into an argument that turned violent when he began viciously beating her. They believe he killed Doreen because she walked in on the attack. They also believe that his brother Gordon, a police officer at the time, helped cover up for his brother by wiping off fingerprints and tampering with other evidence. In April of 1992,
0: Beaver Tempest... And his, uh, Tempest and his friend Galaga and Defender...
1: Yeah, was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 85 years in prison. Well, I'm thinking of Beaver like, Leave it to Beaver, that old show. Can you imagine that Beaver grew up and was, like, some <laughs> some sociopathic, just,
0: killer? Boy, howdy, lady. You sure are pissing me off. I'm gonna bash your head in with this lead pipe. Beaver... What did we tell you about that? <laughs> Sorry, Dad.
1: Uh, so Beaver Tempest is convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 85 years in prison. Gordon was convicted of per- perjury in connection with the case. But in 2014, Tempest approached the New England Innocence Project for help in seeking out DNA testing in an effort to clear his name. It was suggested that his arrest and conviction were the result of a coercion of the witnesses by corrupt police officials and the overzealousness of prosecutors. Tempest claims that the Woonsocket Police and A.G. James James Ryan and Randy White both knew who who had really killed Doreen Picard, but they had covered up facts to protect the guilty and convict the innocent. Tempest claims that the real killer is a man named Donald Degesse, who died in 2011. According to Susan's relatives, after Doreen's funeral, Nicole identified Degesse as her mother's attacker. After she awoke from her coma, Susan apparently identified DeGesey as her attacker, but she later claimed to not remember the assailant. However, the request in 2014 was not accepted by the court, and in 2015, the issues were presented in court. To date... DNA testing is inconclusive. Two of the hairs found in Doreen's hand did not match Tempest, but according to investigators, they could have come came from the laundry room floor. In July 2015, a state superior court judge decided to vacate Beaver Tempest's conviction based on the unreliability of witnesses and alleged prosecutorial misconduct. Tempest has been released on bail while the state debates on whether or not to retry him for Doreen's murder.
0: So the bottom line is uh, an innocent person was killed for seemingly no reason and uh, through a bunch of legal red tape and mumbo-jumbo, the killer uh, or justice has not been served, I should say, from what it sounds like. And that's a real fucking shame. That is. I mean, I
1: I think it wasn't Beaver because of the daughter recognizing the Gessie and then you have the whole thing where the mother woke up and out of her comb and, and recognized him as well, uh, even though later she, she denied. But I, I that seems pretty open and shut to me. Um, but he passed away before he was able to go to trial.
0: I don't know. You got to think, though, someone who had to live their whole life with the name Beaver probably has a lot of pent-up rage from yeah. all the bullying. Well, so, yeah, exactly. You know, I so, mean. It
1: could have been him as well, but I don't know.
0: Uh, um, Your Honor, can we offer into evidence uh, Exhibit A, his stupid fucking name <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll allow it You may proceed <laughs> This person has clearly been bullied his whole life And has a lot of anger issues Because his parents were dicks And gave him a stupid name uh, So we, we uh, you know this is, this is probably the reason why this happened Not saying it was right But, uh, you know, he's probably the guy I don't know <laughs> In all seriousness, I, I have no idea. And you know they, they
1: didn't actually update it that well. Now that I think about it, on the on the new uh not technically old, but the first season episode on Amazon Prime, like the update they have for this case, I don't think they even talked about the Degessi guy. They didn't talk about him at all.
0: Well, they never said how good the updates were gonna be. They just said there were gonna be updates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um and, and, you know, I wonder how they get these updates. They track these people down, do, you know? Like, do they, like, like They'll how probably much? Probably use the Wikia. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, we use the Wikia out the ass. I think we would have caught it by now if they used the Wikia for the updates. Yeah,
1: exactly. We're like, hey, that looks. that's exactly the same.
0: And then we can sue them for copyright, even though no, not, nothing to do with not the not really. The Wikia
1: is like a free thing anyway
0: burst my bubble, Mike, why don't you?
1: <laughs> burst our bubble.
0: I, I just want to sue somebody now cuz you know, I I have been threatened, you know, legally by them. So now I So
1: like the Weird Al song?
0: Yeah. Obscure Weird Al reference there that like two people are going to get. Uh, but I'm I'll one of, I'm one of those two people, so that's a that's a good thing.
1: Do you know what the, how the song goes?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sue, sue. I'm I'm going to sue you. It's like a rage against machine pastiche yeah um so anything else to say about this case besides like the hallmarks of the case being it was really sad and shitty that the daughter had to experience any of that which i know as she got older she's gonna like her brain's gonna be able to process kind of what she was really seeing and i feel probably the most sorry for her um well also the fact that it seems like
1: the killer actually was not actually caught and brought to justice
0: Yeah, which happens you know after doing this podcast and really like you realize it happens more often than you think oh my god it happens all the fucking time and you know you watch the shows like cops and all these investigation shows and like the guy always gets caught and i think they plan it out that way
1: yeah they they only talk about cases where oh if it's a cold case all right but they they eventually solve it yeah and and i can see why because it's like who really wants to watch you know but unsolved mysteries that's That's kind of what separated from those other shows is because they weren't afraid to talk about some unsolved case in order to bring bring some light to it and you know make people aware of it and hopefully solve it.
0: Yeah, that's Um, that's what my mom. That's why she never liked the show. She's like, "Why do you watch this show? They they don't even solve any of the mysteries. They leave you (laughs) hanging at the end of every episode." And I'm like, "Well,
1: that's not necessarily true." but okay it's not
0: necessarily true and uh there's just so many reasons why I like the show besides I'm not just I mean
1: and that's the point I mean it serves a purpose and I think that it's a, it definitely serves a purpose that kind of is missing today I, I totally think this is a show that in whatever format you decide to bring it back could easily still be successful today easily
0: it's hard to say because if they brought the show back realistically today with the with the modern audience who doesn't. What know- I'm
1: saying is not not modern, not trying to appeal to millennials, not trying to appeal. Well, technically, the old show is kind of millennial anyway, uh, but. Not trying to appeal to the kids. That's not what this show is for, and, that, and that's never what this show was about to begin with. Even though there were kids like me and you that grew up watching the show, it wasn't made specifically for us. So, I could just... Just take advice from the fans and have it be a love letter to the original series. Have it be as close as you can to the original show. Uh, and none of the quick cut flash cut editing none of the what is it that cliche stock sound effect that you hear in every reality show nowadays
0: oh, the, the the stabs the musical stabs
1: and the t- whatever the fuck the, the, trying to the one that made you want to shoot yourself in the ghost episode what was that again oh the- was a specific thing a slide thing or something
0: Oh, the oh! Are you talking about that marimba music? That yes.
1: Ding, 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 yes. Ding, uh, for fuck's yeah. sake.
0: You know what I'm talking about with that, though, right? Like, you've heard that in, like, every... That's even
1: in, like, a, a, Mike, a show on Animal Planet called My Cat from Hell. Like, it, it's just... Dude, the- it's like <laughs> Or whatever. trying to be, like, dramatic or whatever. And it just is the same shit every time.
0: It's like a soft drama kind of music. Video, yeah. But anyway, no one's even going to know what we're talking about unless they saw my ghost episode. <laughs> which you should go out and see, by the way. In my YouTube channel is uh, YouTube.com. Yeah, it's really good, actually. YouTube.com slash Dancing with Ghosts
1: yeah bring the show back have the same music maybe get robert stack's son or get someone like lance henrickson or uh someone like that or peter weller (laughs) and uh there you go
0: (laughs) yeah i mean I, i think that they could definitely do some good services um as far as you know like catching people nowadays like you know helping solve unsolved cases and all that um
1: if it's just an Amazon and Prime original, I'd be fine with that too.
0: <laughs> it's just so weird because the climate is just so different now than how it was back then. It's, it, I, I honestly think we're in uh, the stages of of nobody knows what the fuck at this point, honestly. yeah, I think we're at that stage. I think that everyone is just trying what they can... Uh, they don't know how long it's gonna last. Who knows how long Netflix is gonna last? Who knows how lo- like th- this? This is a brand new form of of getting video content to people. This I think, I think
1: Netflix is going to last for a long time. They've to, had it's hard to huge say, though lately.
0: You know, huge hits when Unsolved Mysteries uh, first premiered on uh, what was it? C- uh, not CBS, but on well, NBC. Here,
1: here's the problem with Unsolved Mysteries: Why it ended? They changed the the air date. They changed the air date and the time, and that wasn't in the film. That was not. That did not help the show.
0: Well, the the point that I was trying and then the ratings
1: went down, and then it went to another network, and then they changed it too much.
0: The point that I was trying to make is that when Unsolved Mysteries came on the scene in the early or the late eighties, early nineties, they were jumping into a a world that had been time tested for like thirty years—the medium of television. So yeah. it was it was completely uh, ready and able to have a show like that on the air at that time and have it be yeah. successful.
1: But well, what, what I'm talking about is look at the success of shows like Making of a Murderer and things like that. I mean, you could have e- you could easily do Unsolved Mysteries again, yeah, and and have similar success. It already has a very fervent and strong fan base. I don't know if I said that word correctly. Fervent, but. Yeah, but it's a very strong fan base. A very I, I big agree. one. I agree. I just, I just look at, um, uh, I just look just at, don't fuck up like you did with Dennis Farina.
0: I just look at other like, like movie revamps and and and, and like trying to kind of bring yeah. the magic back but, and but, how yeah. it never quite, it's not quite I, I the same. Know. But I'm just saying,
1: if you want to do it, do it right. You can do it. Yeah, but you know, look, look at remakes from the uh, films like from the '80s. Like John Carpenter's *The Thing* or *Or, or The Fly* by David Cronenberg, remakes of some old '50s movies. Um, those brought back the magic that those films had, and actually, honestly, in my opinion, were better films. Now, this new *Unsolved Mysteries* if they do do it would never be as good as the old show, but I think *Unsolved* there's a there's a gap right now, and *Unsolved Mysteries*, a revamp of it with care and time and fans of the show working on the show I, I honestly think would would fill that gap
0: yeah i think the main thing is it's all about the host it's all about their narra- their narration quality they need to
1: actually do reenactments with actors again
0: they, need, they need to not be afraid of The writing style, like, oh, we can't write it like this because you know that's not how people talk now. You know, because if you listen to a lot of Robert Stack's dialogue, it was very, um, a lot of a lot of the like the stuff they wrote for him to say was very kind of proper and um, like high English. You know, it wasn't this, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of everyman, you know, way of speaking or whatever. It it gave the show a level of uh, dignity and sophistication uh, Robert Stack brought a level of sophistication to the show and I feel yeah. like that uh, I feel like people up in Hollywood feel like that kind of technique only works to draw in older crowds and I feel like they think that it scares away millennials but they assume too much about millennials exactly they, they assume way too much you Millenn-
1: know? most millennials are the people who are watching season one right now exactly on Amazon Prime.
0: exactly it's not the old the old <laughs> timers who watched it when it actually aired on tv are probably uh 10 20 to 30 percent of the people who are watching the ones on Amazon Prime. The kids who grew up watching it, probably 70% of the people who are watching it on Amazon Prime. So, I mean, yeah, that's definitely... And probably most of the people
1: who are listening to this podcast right now, and thank exactly. you.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So,
1: speaking of kids and uh, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, here we have the next segment, which uh, Josh will take... And run with it.
0: Give me the segment. Okay, and there it is. Thank you, Mike. Ooh, it's a little (laughs) heavy. Uh, A little heavy. Help me, help me. Okay, all right. All right, got it. Thank you. All right, now I'm going to just set it down on the table here. There it is. All right, this segment was actually a fan request from way back in the day. Um, I'm personally, for most of my selections here coming up, I am just going to burn through the rest of these requests because I still got, if I check my list here, Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got like seven requests, probably a little more if I check to the Patreon, um... That I I just yeah you know, I just want to get through them because if people want to hear us talk about them I, I want to talk about them you know this show yeah so do I this show's for you 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 listening right now you I'm pointing right at you some people don't like being pointed at but I'm doing it anyway I'm pointing at you and saying this show is about you I'm basically poking you in the forehead with my index finger right now as I'm exclaiming <laughs> that this show is for you so let's talk about Wendy Camp psychic finger pointing yes. Wendy Camp, um, good choice, by the way. Whoever the hell suggested this, I don't remember who suggested <laughs> it. Um, I just remember that,
1: that's not <laughs> well,
0: whoever the hell does that. Does that so... not sound endearing enough, Mike? <laughs> Should I have changed my tone a little bit on that one? <laughs> um, but no, it's a great it's a great case. I'm glad they they uh, pointed it out. Um, so at the center of all the controversy here is Wendy Camp. She, her daughter Cynthia, and her sister Renee were last seen in May of 1992. The truth remains tangled in a barrage of charges and countercharges, child abuse, kidnapping, and murder. It all began rather innocently in 1987. Wendy was divorced and her daughter was less than six months old. Wendy was working at an ice cream parlor in Edmond, Oklahoma when she fell in love with a co worker named Chad No. Not Chad Yes, but Chad No.
1: Well, she should have, you know, paid attention to his last name and, and took the advice and, and said no
0: to Chad no. Sh- she she should have gotten with Chad probably, not Chad no. <laughs> um, Chad perhaps would have been a Chad good Chad maybe. Chad maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we are so stupid. Um, Wendy's mother was quoted as saying, they hit it off fairly quickly and started a relationship, and then she got pregnant with the second child um, because she already had Cynthia and uh, he convinced her to marry him and they got married and about uh, three to four weeks later um, before that Jonathan was born the second kid just one month before Jonathan's birth Wendy developed a debilitating case of multiple sclerosis which disintegrated both her health and her marriage Uh, way to stick to it through uh, sickness and health there douchebag Uh, Chad by the way not her um, well, his last name is No, so he's like yeah, No, No. He he was like No, <laughs> No. Sorry, I got to stick with my family name here. You got MS. That's a big No. Um, anyway, uh, Wendy was hospitalized for nearly a year, which I can't even begin to imagine how shitty that would be. Uh, Chad filed for a divorce and was awarded primary custody of Jonathan, their kid that was born. Well,
1: that is why. Well, because she has MS, I guess that's the only reason why. Um, This guy seems like a great parent. Oh,
0: yeah, no, this guy's kind of a douche. Uh, And he's quoted here as saying, of course, along with the MS, I didn't think she'd be able to help me raise my child. And instead of having uh, one child to deal with, I thought, uh, you know, I'd I'd have two children that I'd have to deal with, referring to Wendy as a child, I guess, with her MS. So he said, I thought it'd be best to get a divorce and raise a child on my own. Wendy was too ill to even contest the court's decision about that, which sucks for her, you know, yeah, for, that you're that Because
1: straight. then it's brought out that this no guy, he doesn't say no to drugs.
0: Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> for two years, she labored through physical therapy just so she could recover simple basic skills like eating and walking. During this time, friends induced, intra- induced introduced Wendy to Leon Kemp, they were married in 1990 and set up housekeeping in Oklahoma City. Now this guy Leon, he is your classic 90s unsolved mysteries guy. Mustache, big ass glasses. I mean, this is the kind, this is the kind of guy you want to see on unsolved mysteries. Just your classic, yeah, uh, just huge glasses that that are only just take up the whole length of your face. That were really hot in the 90s. Just yeah. unashamed mustache. Just, just classic dude. You know, nothing ironic about him.
1: He's Classic Un- Unsolved Mysteries guest um, and the right kind of guest. you know, The one that just... It, it's the type of guest you, you're used to and, and the type of one that makes you kind of... It, it makes you feel at home. Like I'm watching Unsolved Mysteries.
0: The nostalgia kicks in and you're like, okay, um, I'm on board with this.
1: Exactly. Unlike some guests like this one guy. I have to mention this because it is hilarious. It's on this... Uh, Investigator segment from season eight, and they were investigating uh, the the guy who supposedly committed suicide. He was on the Clinton uh, administration. Yeah, I and they were doing that. the the handwriting experts. Mm-hmm. One of the handwriting experts comes out, and he's not your typical unsolved mysteries guest. He comes out, and he's got like big '80s hair. He's got like hair, like he's like in Motley Crue, like he's Nikki Six or something, and he's a handwriting expert. It's
0: hilarious. Well, this maybe. guy
1: walking out, and he's got like this big fucking hair, a mullet. A-
0: maybe he's a handwriting. Oh expert. my god. Maybe it looks like. A- uh, maybe he's a handwriting expert, and he just got off tour. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's something.
1: It looks like he walked out after. Out of the '80s, it does not look uh, like it just it does not look like it's from. This is like a segment that was like close to the '2000s, like the the late '90s, and he looks like he's from like '86 or '87 or something.
0: Oh, you make fun and of this like, guy, in the of the but, hair, but he can hair metal era. <laughs> he can you make fun of him, but he can probably play "Eruption" by Van Halen note for note. So I mean, that's really, yeah. that's really nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. So anyway, um. Back to where I was talking about here, um, her and her new husband, Leon Sepp, housekeeping in Oregon City, or Oklahoma City, I'm sorry, I'm out of it today. Hey, yeah, I, I've lived in, I lived in
1: Oregon and I lived in Oklahoma City, so. Oh
0: wow, that's true, you have. Oh, so you, you can, might be I'll shed a little light on uh, some of these locales that they talk about here. Wendy's daughter, Cynthia, lived with them, with Leon, her new husband, and Wendy, and by all accounts, Leon proved to be the loving father that she needed. As Wendy's condition improved, she asked her ex-husband Chad for visitation rights with her son Jonathan. At first, everything, to be go- everything seemed to be going smoothly. Jonathan spent a few weekends with Wendy and Leon in 1990. Then, according to we- Leon, God damn it! Then, according to Wendy's mother, Chad's family began to sabotage the visits. Uh, quoting Wendy's mother here, she would call and make an appointment to see them and she would go there and they would not be there. And then they kept moving and getting different phone numbers. So it was very hard to get a hold of them. So these people were ducking Wendy. Yeah.
1: Also, in, in talking about Chad, um, I don't know if you're going to talk about this later, but Probably. this is something I saw in the Wikia, uh, where apparently Wendy's family believed that Chad might have given drugs to Wendy while she was pregnant. Which brought upon the coma that she was dealing with around this time.
0: Oh, yeah. They never mentioned that on the show. So. Well, Chad remembers all this differently. According to Chad, she was allowed to visit him whenever she wanted. And there was never really any hard feelings up until the time my mother informed me that he was being sexually molested. Then the visits were cut off. How many times at this point on this podcast, on this show, has the crazy, bitch-ass grandmother, or mother, whatever, <laughs> allege some kind of molestation, satanic ritual, some kind of crazy... Do these old ladies have anything better to do in their lives than to stick their noses in their family? And then there's just say, drama? It's the devil! I don't know. I don't
1: know. Uh, perhaps.
0: I Satan. mean, good lord... <laughs> I mean, don't you have a bingo game to go to, Granny? Don't you have some (laughs) some sweaters to knit or something like that? I mean, good lord.
1: All all these church ladies over here.
0: Like, this is is like the third time now that the the grandmother has interceded in fucking up a family. So Chad cuts the visits off from...
1: It's so frustrating because you're like, that's somebody's that's like the mother of, you know, uh, the person who's having their family torn apart. It's like, why? Like, what is well, what is your deal?
0: As it normally happens in families, you know, you, you meet a girl, you get together for a while and then you meet their family. And as long as you treat the girl right or the, the guy right, and as long as you are together in a harmonious relationship, their parents love you. But the second yeah. you spite that that person in any way and you guys are no longer connected whether you're not dating anymore, you're not married anymore mm. the daughter's family just hates you like Hitler like you're a poison. Yeah. like you are just the worst piece of shit ever. So this does not surprise me.
1: No, it doesn't. I, I guess this isn't as surprising as like the Baskin case where it's the mother like the actual mother of the woman who's had these kids who decides to take her kids. Well, and there's another
0: case coming up that I've been wanting to talk about uh, of um, Jared Peters, where it's literally the same thing. The grandmother proselytized, that's always shocking. are just like and showed him demonic imagery on. T- we'll get to that one, folks. Yeah, Trust we'll get me. to that. That's one. one we're gonna get to. Um, so uh, Chad cuts off the visits to, for for them to see Jonathan, and who is the molester? Apparently, Leon, the new husband. For which he says, there was no molestation whatsoever, and the idea of them thinking, it just tore me up inside. I was mad. Rightfully so, Leon. I would be mad too. I'd be pissed. The visitation squabble had escalated quickly with Chad's family now accusing Leon of criminal sexual abuse. However, the charges could neither be proven or disproven. The court cited Chad for contempt and ordered the visits with with Wendy and Leon to be resumed. For more than six months, though, Chad refused. Then in May of 1992, he had a sudden change of heart. Chad even sent his mother, Beverly no, to pick up Wendy because her multiple sclerosis had, had left her unable to drive. But Leon's feelings were, I didn't want Wendy going by herself because I didn't trust these people. And me and Chad didn't get along, and something inside me just felt like she shouldn't go by herself. So, by the time Beverly arrived to pick up Wendy, Leon convinced his sister Renee Krieger to accompany Wendy and Cynthia on the trip. Uh, He was quoted as saying, I kissed Wendy goodbye, they took off, and that's the last time I seen them. The 115-mile drive to Chad's home in Shamrock, Oklahoma, took just over two hours. When the group arrived in town at about 1.15, they phoned Leon. Um, quoting him, The first time she called me that day was about one-something to let me know that she was alright, end quote. Um, and then Chad is quoted by saying, uh, regarding the visitation, We sat there and visited, and she didn't even really play with Jonathan, which is the son. Her and Jonathan and Cynthia played for a while, but she mostly just sat there and drank coffee with me on the porch and talked, end quote. So, sounds like the visit was, uh, somewhat uneventful maybe she didn't play with jonathan as much as chad felt like she should have i don't know what he was implying by that but whatever so around 4:15 p.m it was time for wendy to say goodbye to jonathan wendy cynthia beverly and renee went back to the car for the drive back so just to catch up people who maybe are getting a little confused right now wendy the mother with multiple sclerosis her first daughter cynthia beverly Uh, which is the uh, mother of Chad and Renee, who is the sister of Leon, uh, Wendy's new husband. They all went back to the car for the drive back. And in addition to that, they were joined by, for whatever reason, Chad's grandmother, Ida Pruitt. Before leaving Shamrock, Wendy called Leon again. Quote, at about 4.30, she called me to let me know how her visit went. She said Beverly was in a hurry, so she had to get off the phone. That's the last time I talked to her, end quote. Phone records indicate that Wendy did in fact call Leon at 4.42 p.m., but virtually everything else about that afternoon has been tainted by suspicion. The last people known to have seen Wendy and her companions alive were Beverly and Ida Pruitt, Chad's mother and grandmother. So, of course, already you have the people on the side of the family who are already tainted in their beliefs that Wendy is shitty. So I'm sure their story isn't exactly going to be just the facts. Uh, Beverly declined to be interviewed for this broadcast, but the account that follows was given by Ida Pruitt, who did uh, agree to be interviewed. The visit took place in Shamrock, after taking Wendy, Cynthia, and Renee to Oklahoma City, Beverly was to drive back to Cushing, where she was to meet Chad in a restaurant around 7 or 8, according to Ida. Wendy was unpleasant company from the very beginning. Quote, now all this time, all the way to town, she was just a griping and a bitching, and that's all she could do. So after yeah, they, I remember that. So after they got back to the car and everything, I just said, take me home. You got to put up with this, but I don't. So she brought me back home, and then she went on. So now, I
1: don't know if I buy that recollection of what happened.
0: I don't know if I buy I really any don't. of this. So, okay, so now we have one less person in the car now. The grandmother, Ida, is gone. The one who did agree to appear on Unsolved Mysteries and, and recollect what happened is gone uh, after a key moment when she would have needed to be there to know what was going on. So she was no longer in the car. So now we just have Beverly, Renee... Wendy, and then daughter, Cynthia. Ida says she was dropped off at around 5.15. She says later, Beverly told her the bickering continued for over half an hour. Quote, she said that by the time she got to Chandler, which is another city in Oklahoma, she had just about all she could stand, so she pulled into Walmart and told them to get out. I wanted to add in, get the fuck out, but I I didn't. Uh, (laughs) Beverly.
1: Yeah, this is the one where they're like, get out of the Walmart. Yeah. yeah.
0: Beverly has told police that she pulled into a shopping center in Chandler, 45 miles from Wendy's home. She then ordered Cynthia, Renee, and Wendy out of the car. Which is just like, yeah. what? Get out of the car talk In the Walmart. Like, talk about dysfunction. Jesus. They never returned home. They never called. Them
1: dumped them off at Walmart somewhere. In the-
0: <laughs> they never asked anyone for help. Okay, that's an important detail. So she kicks him out of the car. They never returned home. They never called. They never asked. Okay, first,
1: they first off, kicking somebody out of the car is just uh, uh, way far away from their destination, right? Forty
0: five. Isn't miles. that what it is?
1: Forty five miles. And just so oh, I just figure it out, get out of the car. It's like, well, first off, that's a dick move. Second, yeah, that that doesn't sound like a made up story at all. You gotta <laughs> you
0: gotta consider the circumstances though. Um Beverly. They
1: were griping and bitching. Get out of my car.
0: Beverly is, car. is Chad's mom. Beverly has, no longer has any connection to any of those people in her car at that point. Beverly does not give a shit about Wendy. Beverly certainly doesn't give a shit about Wendy's daughter from her first marriage. And Beverly, I know, but... And she doesn't give a shit about Renee, Leon's uh, sister. She doesn't yeah. care about any of these people in the car. And if if, you know, Wendy could have said even the most mildest thing about chad and chad's her baby you gotta remember that yeah. chad is her son exactly so she's gonna be in his corner 120 percent yeah and she in her mind is probably thinking i went out of my way on this day to mm-hmm. drive this bitch all the way over to my son's home in shamrock to see her to see his kid and and now she's gonna say anything negative about him. You can get out of my car. You honey. know, I got you know no- she's,
1: you know she's the one that gave birth to that kid, right? You know, it's- yeah, but that <laughs> don't
0: matter to her. To, to the mom, or yeah. the grandma though, that don't matter to her. Yeah. So Beverly. Yeah, it seems like she's
1: a total raging bitch. If yeah. you ask me, oh, yeah.
0: and uh, I,
1: I guess I just try to look at the good in humanity, and I, I still am shocked by how inhuman people can be. And this is definitely inhum a very inhuman uh, kind of uh, thing to do. I'll oh, just get out of my car and stay in, in the Walmart parking lot. Yeah, that's safe. <laughs> it's gonna happen to them. So after and, and and like I said earlier, yeah, that doesn't sound made up at all. Maybe you're smoking some of the drugs that your your uh, the same drugs that your beloved uh, son is is token and smoking. So after
0: um. After all this happened with the old Walmart incident, Leon says in the, this interview, around eight o'clock that night, I thought they should be home by now. At midnight that night, I said, this has gone too far. I got to call police. And I did. Yeah. And they came out and took a brief description of everything. Now it switches over to Agent Jackie Johnson for the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigation, and she said, We did an aerial search which involved four and five airplanes searching five county areas, which involved several search teams, and nothing was found at that time. End quote. The disappearance became the talk of the town for days. With no other leads in the case, Beverly Knows' account of the afternoon events became the focus of extreme official scrutiny. Quote, At the time that Beverly Noe left Shamrock, Oklahoma, which was between 4.30 and 5 in the evening, she had agreed to meet her son Chad at a restaurant in Cushing at 7 that evening. It could not have been done in that small amount of time, quoting again Agent Jackie Johnson. According to authorities, Beverly told Chad she'd meet him just two hours after she left Shamrock, even though the trip from Shamrock to Oklahoma City and back to Cushing would have taken three hours to drive. In addition, Beverly took the old two-lane highway instead of the faster superhighway. Wendy's family is also disturbed about Wendy's failure to telephone from the shopping center. Quote, Wendy was very dependent upon Leon, and she had already called him twice that day during the trip. She would have immediately gone in and called her husband Leon. I feel that my daughter, my granddaughter, and the sister-in-law were murdered that Friday night. I feel that Ida, Beverly, and Chad were all involved, and that they pretty well had their plans laid out on what they were going to do when they made their phone call when they made plans to see jonathan and i figured whoever got in that car they were going to do what they had planned to do end quote that's beverly's or, or wendy's mother who uh said that um beverly i agree
1: with her wholeheartedly yeah
0: beverly uh this is quoting ida now uh the grandmother on the other side of the family the chad's family Beverly and I had nothing to do with their disappearances, and I know this. I don't care if they believe it or not, but I know it. End quote. Defensive. (laughs) Much? So Chad chimes in. He says, there's no way me, my mother, my grandma could have killed them or shipped them off somewhere. Yeah, you should have
1: said no to killing people. How about that
0: and taking drugs? Chad, no. In spite of Chad's Denials. Two residents of Shamrock told authorities that they overheard him boasting that Chad said he had killed Wendy, Cynthia, and Renee, and that no one would find their bodies. (laughs) And then old Chatter comes in again and he goes, Maybe in one of my drunken stupors, I might have said, Oh, yeah, yeah, I did it. But uh, why
1: why would anyone say that, even if they were drunk? The only reason why anyone would say that is if I don't, I mean, what? You just some sick asshole. Now that's a, that's a good joke. I'm gonna say I murdered somebody. That's not even funny.
0: <laughs> well, to, <laughs> yeah. Well, to finish his quote, he goes, "But uh, there ain't no way in." Uh, uh, he wanted to say there ain't no way in hell, but I guess he was trying to censor himself for the interview. He goes, "There ain't no way in ever that I could have done something like that. <laughs> I'm not a violent person."
1: There ain't no way in
0: ever. <laughs> Despite all the bitter incriminations between the two families, no evidence has come up about what could have happened. There have been no further sightings for more than a year. Well, I do have an update. Motherfucker Mike has an update.
1: Yeah, so first off, uh, the suspects in the case, Chadno remains a person of interest. Two locals reported that he boasted of his responsibility for the deaths of both women and Jonathan, after which he disposed of them in a way which they would never be found. However, with additional more concrete evidence, the police were unable to proceed with a case against him. And Ida Pruitt and Beverly Nell were once booked for arson to collect insurance money. So they had already been in jail before. The case is unresolved. Uh, Ida Pruitt died in September 2011 at 82 from cancer. Uh, on April 16th, 2013, The remains of Wendy, Cynthia, and Lisa were found buried eight feet deep in an unmarked grave in Pawnee County, Oklahoma. A Ruger revolver, which appeared to be a .357, and a knife were also located amid the remains. DNA collected from Wendy's sister, Kimberly Aisha Aisha Hashimi, confirmed the identities of Wendy and Cynthia. A coroner declared that they were victims of homicide. Camp died from gunshot and sharp force injuries. Krieger died from gunshot wounds to the torso, and Brito died from homicidal violence of unspecified means. Grover Pruitt, Ida's son and Beverly's brother, was arrested on a half-a-million-dollar bail and was reduced to $50,000. Investigators believe more arrests are expected in this case. Grover pleaded not guilty, and his lawyer believes he is innocent. He is awaiting trial. Beverly was arrested on march twenty eighth, twenty fourteen and was charged with three counts of first degree murder in association with the case. On january twentieth, twenty fifteen, she pleaded no contest to helping in carrying out the murders. She was sentenced <coughs> to fifteen years Sorry. in prison and fifteen years probation. He's just allergic to the you know, to this bullshit. Yeah, I am. Uh, she was sentenced to fifteen years in prison and fifteen years probation. Grover made statements that his mother, Ida Pruitt, and his sister, Beverly Noe, had murdered Wendy, Lisa, and Cynthia.
0: Damn! So the mother's intuition was right. Uh, Wendy's mother, that fucking witch. Oh my god, <laughs> she did it. That
1: is so, dude. The kid watching that watching that segment now, you know, saying I didn't do anything. Oh, she's just just bitching and moaning and moaning and blah 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 blah. Just like just really like how I mean just th- there's no remorse there I mean I'm just looking at her her uh, mugshot and she's got a smirk on her face
0: well I mean also the fact that Beverly declined to be interviewed I mean that was you know that in itself was telling yeah god that how he,
1: again it oh, was yeah. actually Ida who said said those things sorry I'm wrong but uh, regardless, it, it's just yeah. She didn't. She did not uh, agree to be interviewed. So yeah, that was yeah. That's a red flag. Uh,
0: again, I go back to the kid. You know why do you have? You know poor Leon, dude. Leon loses his yeah. his wife. He loses his sister, and he loses Cynthia, who, you know, he uh, would probably had grown a. Te- God, man, like what. <sighs> people are so like that one thing like doing this podcast is like i enjoy doing it but god when we talk about these cases it's just i'm constantly reminded every week about how horrible people are like human beings it's like really depressing sometimes
1: it is is depressing it it, it makes you realize how fragile human life is too and um uh, but That's why I'm
0: so skeptical of everybody, you know? Like I like I don't I don't like getting like too close to a lot of people because I'm just so skeptical of everybody's intentions and and how people can turn two-faced like on the drop of a hat and how yeah. you know, people just, you know, they're looking out for themselves and their their people and fuck anybody else and th- and there's really no compassion and taking into account other people's situations it's all about me and mine and you know fuck you and yours and that was yeah. definitely the case with, with this with this situation I mean it's awful especially to learn that she, that they were murdered I didn't know about that update before we just now when you told me that cause I always try to save you know any information that Mike might know that I don't know I, I, I save it for the podcast so I can get my reaction and that's just it's fucking awful man like I'm glad that they were caught at least. I mean, yeah. shit, it's not going to bring them back, the other people. Oh. And Cynthia, she was a kid. She was a little kid. Why are you going to do that to the little kid? I guess cuz she was a witness, but fuck, man. Like That's just awful, you know? I mean, yeah. at least the kid from the previous segment we talked about, at least she's she's alive, has a chance. So that's the case of Wendy Camp. Very depressing. Uh, and, and it's not
1: going to get any happier from here on out, folks. <laughs> so brace yourselves.
0: <laughs> Strap uh, on in. It doesn't get any better.
1: Uh, the next segment, the final segment, is one I handpicked because this one is one of the most chilling and one of the most eerie. And one of the most memorable segments I think I've honestly seen, and I'm shocked this was not included on the box set in some way, shape, or form. This one is about the disappearance of Charles Sovereign Jr. Right from the beginning, it grabs you. It grabs you with a haunting video message from this man named Don Hoffman, who reveals that he had terminal cancer. An operable terminal cancer, a diagnosis he was, so he said was confirmed by three different doctors, and they actually show you this video.
0: Yeah, it's the real VHS video the dude took himself.
1: Then, just hours after making the video, Don took his own life. An autopsy, though, found no trace of cancer. On the videotape, Don Hoffman said goodbye to five different family members, but there was no farewell to the heir of Hoffman's estate. His second wife, Terry. Now, this is where they start showing Terry this image they have of her. It makes my blood curdle. It, 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 just this—this this looks like she walked out of an insane asylum, just escaped from some asylum somewhere, and there it, now she's on camera. Somebody's taking a photo. She's got this look on her face that is extremely devious.
0: She looks like a demon.
1: Yeah, she does. She looks like a demon, or she's possessed. Like you look at this photo, like it looks like evil.
0: It does. It's very frightening. She looks like she looks like almost like a female form of Joseph Goebbels.
1: Yeah, it, it's. A, I'm just looking at it right now, and it's, it's hard for me to look
0: at. I'm like, ah. But let's back up for a second. Her 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 ex husband or her late husband kills himself or commits suicide. They yeah. do an autopsy. They find no traces of cancer. Yeah. And he's killing himself on the video, or he's going to kill himself because he has cancer. But he doesn't have no. cancer. But that's only the There's,
1: beginning. That's only the beginning, folks. Uh, Terry was the founder of a spiritual move- movement known as Conscious Development of Body, Mind, and Soul. So it's like the New Age group that you saw kind of in uh, the one of the first segments we talked about. The uh, the karate guy. Where it was the uh, what is that guy's name? Kurt McFall. Kurt McFall. Kurt McFall. Uh, But this time, there's actual substantiated crap. You know, like really bad shit going on here with this case. Unlike yeah that one where it was kind of it was just an assumption and there really wasn't a lot of proof. So Terry Hoffman is at the center of what some might call a circle of death. Now,
0: the this, victims this is creepy. This, that, that, this next information yeah. is so creepy and bizarre yeah.
1: to me. Yeah, it is to me. When I first saw this, I was I, I got chills. Like, I got goosebumps. Uh, the circle of death includes Mary Levinson, drug overdose. David and Glenda Goodman, shot to death. Probable double suicide. Jill Bounds, beaten to death. Sandy Cleaver drove off a cliff in broad daylight. Sandy's 14 year old daughter, Devaru, drowned. I mean, the one drove off a cliff in broad daylight, like that one stood out to me because I was like, Are all these people possessed? Like, how do they do this? Like, I mean, are they possessed? Were they mind controlled? Is there some voodoo bullshit going on here? <laughs> I mean, that's really terrifying because I'm like, this sounds like this doesn't sound like this real it doesn't it sounds like it's a movie or something and there's somebody who's like getting revenge with some spiritual means or something with a voodoo doll but it's real 11 untimely deaths 11 people with a direct or indirect link to terry hoffman now some believe a 12th name should be added to this list charles Severn jr a respected english professor Southern mysteriously disappeared, and his family now believes it may be no coincidence that he was a disciple of Terry Hoffman. Peace, harmony, and enlightenment. Hoffman offered all this and more to Charles Southern and the others who joined her group, Conscious Development. Peter Muth was a former member who belonged to Hoffman's sect for more than a decade, and he's quoted here. Part of the belief system Terry taught us was that death was really just another state of consciousness. It wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't anything to fear. We also learned that the dark forces out in the universe had a name. They were the Black Lords, Black Overlords. They worked for Satan. The group we worked with was the White Brotherhood, who are good, benevolent characters. They are on God's side. The good guys. I'm like, the White Brotherhood. Like, yeah, that doesn't sound like something else.
0: Give me a moment, Mike.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound like something else at all, the White Brotherhood uh anyway when she mentioned like the dark lords i'm like oh the dark overlord like from howard the duck Are we playing world <laughs> warcraft now or <laughs> is somebody a fan of howard the duck uh in chicago charles joined a local branch of conscious development charles was assistant chairman of the english department at a local junior college and what's kind of crazy about this segment is i watched this soon after i watched dr strange which is the kind of say, same oh we're fighting evil and it was like, oh, but, like, I think she actually is evil. So it was, like, evil just letting in more evil under the guise of being good. I mean, you can't look at that photo and be like, yeah, that,
0: that's a nice lady. <laughs> I mean, people say that I have a resting bitch face. She has a resting demon face. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, Tra- Charles uh, joined in. And he, joining, he said joining Hoffman's group was his most recent foray in his ongoing search for spiritual truth, an odyssey that had taken him to India and Africa. Uh, Charles rose quickly in Hoffman's organization, and he was soon teaching classes and leading meditation sessions. Eventually, he was invited to Terry Hoffman's home in Dallas. By then, Terry Hoffman had begun to portray herself as a target of attack by the so-called Black Lords. During special meditation sessions, Hoffman exhorted her exhorted her trusted inner circle to erect a psychic shield around her. Peter Moose says he saw Charles at one of these meetings. Now, her inner group for fighting the battles lives in a kind of constant state of fear, because we're always under attack from black magicians who could supposedly kill us, who could drive us insane. Now, that point makes me think of, oh, look at all these people who died, who knew her. Right. <laughs> Maybe she's a black magician.
0: Got She got in their head so much that, you know, much like Scientology, there's kind of this, like, mind, uh, a very slow mind control and mind manipulation process that goes on until they finally have you believing that the reason why all you bad feelings that you have in you are coming from thetans or aliens, that bad thetans that live inside of you that are causing these bad feelings... And you know, some people get to the point to where they're just driven crazy by it. Like, there's these things inside me. Get them out. Get them out. You know, like yeah. L. Ron Hubbard at one point wanted wanted a basically a machine that would just blow him away because he felt like he couldn't get all the Thetans out of his body. Uh, he felt like there were just a few more in there that wouldn't get out. And it's just like, what kind of what kind of schizophrenic shit? is going on in your mind to where you could even think that that's anywhere near a fucking possibility of something that could really, truly, factually be going on. And it's the same thing with this. It's just a variation yeah. on a theme of craziness and control. Yeah.
1: So as the years went by, you saw people in your group actually start to show signs of the strain, show signs of mental and emotional problems. According to his sister, Cheryl, Charles was one of those who apparently collapsed under the pressure. We found Charles wandering on the street carrying a newspaper stating, I live for art. We got him in the car and we took him to Michael Reese Hospital for examination, stating that he might be suicidal. And he also seemed to be reciting something in a strange language over and over again. That sounds like a typical example of of a breakdown, of a complete total mental breakdown.
0: Well, musicians are pretty fucked up, and he did say he lives for art, so I kind of feel him on that one. Uh, After his release from the
1: hospital, Charles (laughs) stayed active in the group, but eventually became disillusioned with Hoffman. As Christmas neared, he made plans for a trip to India. In the days before he was supposed to leave, his mother, Ingborg Southern, got a feeling that something was very wrong. I told him that I was disturbed, and I felt that I should come to Chicago, and he said no. You don't need to come to Chicago because I'm perfectly all right and I will be leaving for India in three days. So he assured me that everything was all right. And with that assurance, I didn't go. That was the last time she spoke to her son. After two weeks of no word from her, their son, Charles' father became worried. And he's quoted here. We, of course, wondered why we didn't hear from him. But he had traveled so much and so often to many parts of the world. I wasn't overly concerned until he was overdue
0: i'm sorry Charles i'm Barrett. so sorry to interrupt right now man i just got a text from my mom uh i am now an uncle the uh baby was, oh. baby was born and he said se- she just sent me a picture of uh my brother's wife holding my oh, that's uh, wonderful my niece. yeah that's that's incredible and she is hairy as a monster oh my god she's like <laughs> a monkey look <laughs> like at bigfoot baby bigfoot holy shit i'm sorry uh i'm trying to keep this professional uh
1: well, hey, it's okay, you know. It, it's we we've had we. It's a pretty heavy, a pretty heady, uh, heavy episode. Uh, so
0: that's a nice little reprieve for you guys. Yeah. yeah, I'm 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 pretty uh pretty excited about that though. So
1: Charles' parents they drove the 300 miles from Cincinnati, and when they broke into their son's house, a nagging concern for his well-being turned out to be outright fear. Placed on a ceremonial stool from Africa where Charles' winter dress hat and his coat, neatly fold, folded inside out. Only later was would, would his family learn that this was a Nigerian tribal symbol of death. I mean, just that alone is creepy. Somebody knew some knew knew these symbols, knew all this stuff, and wanted wanted somebody to see that.
0: Yeah, that's some voodoo shit right there. That's, that's, um...
1: So, Charles' parents also discovered two barely legible notes, apparently his last will and testament. One said in part, I came under a bad influence, and I was trying to fight it myself. Terry Hoffman was mentioned twice and named executor of of his estate. There was also some uh, drug that was found in a vial... In, in one of his cupboards, uh, drawers, actually. And it was like some kind of uh, anticoagulant or something. It was like a really, some really bad shit. Well,
0: an anticoagulant isn't a bad drug. That's actually... No,
1: no I think it was actually something else. It was some really not it was, not... it was
0: some kind of like poison that had to be injected. You couldn't yeah. you couldn't ingest it. It had to
1: be Okay, injected. that's what I meant. Anti- you, you, could, you had to ingest it. You couldn't inject it. Yeah. Into your bloodstream. So that was and it was like the same stuff that uh the zombie the people used to make people into zombies in africa
0: Oh wait, really i i didn't know about
1: that yeah it was very similar to that kind of stuff and also i think somebody else also died on you know that was also covered on on the show they were died maybe by uh, the that drug being administered to them so i mean that was that was kind of
0: Mike, you, here Mike here well. you just said they were dyed. <laughs> what what color were they dyed in, Mike?
1: Oh, uh, damn it. Fuck. <laughs> I'm not perfect. Th- thanks, expert. Thanks
0: for... I'm not a perfect person.
1: <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm not. Because um, uh, I'm a creep. Uh, But uh, anyway, they well, died.
0: Well, and... Welcome to die. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm trying to get back on track. You know,
0: the th- segment—if it wasn't for the murders—I would almost consider this a fraud segment because yeah, uh, she magically like it, it, like all these people magically name this cunt as uh, the her the uh, executress of uh her yeah of their over
1: estates. a 12-year period, two of Hoffman, Hoffman's four husbands, her only son, six followers and two people related to, to or employed by a follower came to an unnatural end. Causes of death, one murder, four fatal accidents, and six suicides. In over half of these cases, Hoffman was named heir or beneficiary. She was designated to receive over a half a million dollars in cash, plus thousands more in real estate, fine art, and jewelry. But authorities may have not directly linked her to any of the deaths. I don't know why. Not. <laughs> It's like a glowing, bright, blinking sign with an arrow. She, she's involved at least. They
0: probably want to. It. They probably, they, it. they're probably like chomping at the bit to like link this bitch, but they don't have that, that definitive, like, yeah. you know, smoking gun, you know. Well, to, maybe
1: they're so fucking creeped out by this case. They don't want to get involved.
0: Yeah, like, I don't want to well, die
1: yeah. in something. A crazy, weird suicide. I don't I don't want that to happen. That could very well be true. Charles Severn is still missing. He is 6 feet, 6 foot, 2 inches tall. He weighs 180 pounds, and he may have a full beard. Sadly, his mother uh, passed away 2015 at the age of 94. Terry Hoffman is yet to be found accountable for these deaths. Now, according to uh, the unsolved, uh, the what is it? It's this uh, message board that talks about unsolved mysteries, sitcoms, something. Uh, they were kind of saying that she has she has her own website. And I think they were insinuating that she might be past. She might be dead now. I don't know for sure though. Um, that was this this case though. It does seem like it's not going to be resolved. And I don't think Charles Severn is like is still alive.
0: No, no, I don't think so. I and mean, a lot of times with this show, uh, because it's so old, they might not be alive just because they died of old age. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the shitty part, you know? It's yeah, like you just, can't just even weird. see, like, justice come to these people, you know, that deserve it.
1: Yeah, but also, yeah, I mean, this case is a real standout. It, it definitely does stick out from a lot of the other missing persons cases because it's got the fraud element. So that alone is interesting. But then you got this circle of death thing and the creepy photo. And and then just the whole circumstances behind these people's disappearance and their their deaths. I mean, one murder, four fatal accidents and six suicides. (laughs) And all these people were related to her and knew her in some way, shape or form.
0: Yeah, it's, it's circumstantial, but it, it it's, it's worth an investigation. Like I said, they probably want to bring her up on all these charges, but they just simply can't right now because they just don't have that. And
1: then you have the thing of the unexplained thing. Maybe, maybe she actually does have these like evil powers.
0: Yeah, no, I, I highly doubt that. <laughs>
1: I highly doubt it too, but. I, I think she might have found a way to manipulate the, those people and because of this constant talking about these dark forces and all of that and how they're affecting them and these are very gullible and uh well easily molded individuals i, I think that might have played into a lot of these people's unnatural deaths is the 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 all right, this because
0: like as I mentioned before, I think with the decline on cult, in their heads, um, these people who are who are these people who join cults are searching for something. So they're yeah. o- they're open to suggestion. They're open to being manipulated. They they have left left their minds wide open to be tampered with by whoever wants to come in there and make the most compelling case. And as they said in the segment. Um, Charles Southern felt the power in this group. He felt something. Whether it was from coming from a good place or a bad place, quote, he didn't care. He just felt something and that meant something to him. Um, and, and so these people are just kind of like, leave themselves wide open to be Messed with and tampered with in this way, and 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 obviously it worked, you know. And at that same time, the fraud part kicks in, and they're able to take advantage of them financially yeah. in any other kind of way. So, these are really some of the worst people. I mean, they're not murderers per se, but they are right up there, or they're right down there in hell with the murderers because they use a yeah. different form of of fuckery i mean at least the murders are straight up you know like they just they come to you and shoot you or bat you over the head with something but these people are almost more evil because they like play on your emotions and they make you feel like they can help you when really all they want to do is you is bleed you dry and they could care less if you live or die and and, in this case she would probably prefer it if they died
1: yeah uh, um, she might have planted that in their heads somehow, some way. Now, uh, apparently, by some people on the Unsolved More uh, website, some people are commenting. Um, she apparently, I think, she did pass away. They're saying that she passed away in November of 2015, but on this is a status that was on the 31st uh, of uh, you know of October, Halloween, and. <laughs> And this person says, Terry Hoffman is still up to her old tricks. A very good friend of mine's mother in the last month tried to commit suicide for the second time in the last several years. She's been under Hoffman's influence for decades. Terry has her convinced the dark lords are causing her unbearable pain, and she lives up in the northwest. And Hoffman is still in Dallas, and from that far away, she can get people to try to kill themselves.
0: Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh! Well, anyway, I we we're gonna have to wrap this up a little. Well, yep. this is probably not on the short side, but I I have to go. <laughs> I have to go see my new niece, fresh out of the, fresh out of my brother's well, good. It's vagina. Good, it's perfect
1: timing too because that that'll put a smile on your face and keep your mind off of this evil. Bitch with yeah. the devil eyes Yeah you know
0: and you hopefully the, the I've never been able to really care For a child before in my life Because I've never been close enough to anyone Who had a newborn where I could actually feel comfortable Holding it and all that so yeah. I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out But
1: uh I swear to god when I was seeing the picture of Terry Hoffman In her eyes when they zoomed in on it I thought lightning you know was going to shoot out of them <laughs> Like in uh, Ghostbusters 2 You know when the Vigo painting started shooting lightning out Um they, they
0: yeah. could they oh my dogs are pit. okay this is just an <laughs> omen that I need to end this now uh, you, can, you can find me and Mike on uh, YouTube for uh, more fun bonus content I'll have a Canadian taste testing food coming up very shortly uh, thanks once part.
1: I get done with season one uh, stay tuned on my channel because uh, I will do a video where I'm technically reviewing season one Unsolved Mysteries from Amazon Prime so be on the lookout for that I just haven't finished season one yet
0: You can find me at youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. That's, uh, I'm not going to spell it out. I don't feel like it. You can find Mike (laughs) at uh, Uh, youtube.com slash OCP Communications. Uh, Like I said, I got a Canadian taste testing food coming up. Uh, Thanks in part to Morgan, one of our lovely fans. Morgan, you the best. Never change. And uh, yeah, uh, check out Mike's channel. He's got a bunch of entertaining stuff on there. And I like to watch Mike's videos when I'm like doing other stuff so I can just kind of listen to the audio. It's very much in that podcasty kind of format um so it's definitely a, a fun thing to listen to um anyway uh everybody enjoy the rest of your day sorry for the delays in the business but uh next week should return back to normal hopefully um and toodaloo see ya